0: Welcome to another Solid Rock Church podcast by Bishop Larry Ragland, Senior Pastor of Solid Rock Church. For more information and content, please visit SolidRockChurch.com. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and you have a blessed day. Let me tell you, whatever you believe God for, according to His will, He's still working on it. How many knows God can do in the last minute of 2020 what you thought He couldn't do in the whole year? That he didn't do in the whole year, I should say. I'm telling you, God specializes in suddenly. What does suddenly mean? Suddenly means catch you by surprise. You wouldn't expect it. Suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared on them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave others. The way he introduced himself to the New Testament church was suddenly and unexpected. I just got to believe that God ain't through with 2020. I just got to believe that God ain't through with me. Whether it's 2020, 2021, 22, 23, ever how long God's gotten got. Time left for me that I'm going to believe that at any moment, at any time, in any given situation, he can suddenly change up, show up and complete what he started. Here's the problem that some of you got. You You are confident in this thing. That what the government started... Now, I hope y'all get a stimulus check. But I got news for you. If you think the government sending you, whether it's $600 or $2,000, is going to complete what you need, because I know what you're going to do. If you get $2,000, you ain't going to pay the light bill, you're going to buy a TV and you ain't fixed nothing. But regardless, even if you saved it or even if you invested it, the government cannot complete what you need. You have made the government your God. You vote for people who promise to give you more money, more things, but you don't vote according to to what God's Word said a man and a woman of God is supposed to be like. Well, I might as well go ahead and blow it out of the water on the last Sunday of 2020. I might as well run off the last few I had run off. I might as well make them mad. I just might as well end it up. I just might as well find out who's with me and who's against me. Quit voting. Quit deciding. Quit following those that Tickle your fancy and make you feel better about the fleshly desires that you have. And that don't mean I'm saying vote either way. Because I'm telling you what, there are devils on both sides. Just cause somebody says something, watch how they live. Uh Uh-huh. You say anything. How you living? Being confident of this thing, that he who begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. Not only has he begun a good work in you, but he's begun a good work 2000, a little over 2,000 years ago in something called the church. And he ain't through with the church and he's going to complete the things that he desired for the church to do. And in the last days, you're going to see his spirit poured out on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. And your old men are going to dream dreams. Young men are going to see visions. Everybody in here shouting, I'm seeing visions. I'm not dreaming because I'm not old. Praise God. Every year... In December, actually, it starts back in October for me. When I talk, start talking about it in December, I start talking about my, what my word for the next year is going to be. Last year, knowing it was 2020, I mean, everybody's, you know, a lot of folks use the word vision and all this, and mine was very similar to that. But I heard the Lord say clarity. I heard the Lord tell me in October of last year, I'm going to show you some things clearly that you've never seen before. Oh, wow, did I really have no idea what he meant. So, I'm actually a little scared to even say my word this year. I'm just being real with y'all. Because I'm, I'm afraid he's going, at this time next year I'm going to be like, I had no idea what he was trying to tell me. But I don't know why. Many of you know I'm building a house right now, so I know that that's part of it, but it's more than that. There's something natural in the spirit. That, there's something that's happening in the natural of my life, building a house, but there's also something spirit, spiritual. So God began to tell me, some things have been torn down. Some things have been leveled. Some things have been raised all the way down to the foundation. Because how I many knows the foundation of the, of the church and the foundation of the body of Christ cannot be torn down by? Anyone because the chief cornerstone, the foundation is Jesus Christ. The foundation is the, the apostles, the, the foundation stones were, were put in this thing called the church in Acts chapter 2. Are you with me, church. But a lot of the things that we call church has been torn down. Sacred cows have been kicked over. The Lord said, Your word for 21 is build. Build. I've never had a word quite like that. Most of my words are things about the mind, like whether it be clarity, whether it be um, just finishing the one one time the word was finished but this year the Lord said build this is what he said to me for many reasons personally in my own life but as the pastor of this church and in the influence that is coming forth from this house out into other congregations and into the community God said well it's time to build it's not just a word for me but it's a word for your church it's time to build on the strong foundation it's time to rebuild the old waste places it's time to repair the breach it's time to put the bridge back together that some of us have burned but it is also time to build the kingdom of God and not our own personal kingdom now I mean no disrespect if this is you I'm talking about if you're watching online but I put out there today my word was build within moments Somebody starts saying, well, we don't need no more church buildings. Somebody commented, we don't need to build no more church buildings. We need to feed people food instead of building church buildings. I, I didn't even want to do it because I usually don't even respond, but I had to respond. Man, I'm not even talking about building buildings. I'm in a building. I'm talking about building the kingdom. I mean, we got a problem we got to explain. And somebody got to try get all mad at me because I'm trying to build another church building. Well, what if I was? Which I ain't in the name of Jesus. Somebody say, touch his eyes. He's got to see that little print. Because she just went to be with Jesus. See, the way you start a building project and how you end that building project are two of the most important parts of construction. The way you start it, and the way you finish it. The most important part is the way you start it. You better spend some extra time on the foundation. I'm at that stage in building my house, and it's frustrating because it takes a long time and rain and then mud, and then they can't do this and then they can't do that. Because every part of me wants to just say, My God, just get out there and build the house. And then I hear the Lord say, no, 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 you don't want that because you might have the satisfaction of being inside a home and then it starts cracking and falling apart. The foundation is important. The way you start is important. If you've read my book, you know one of the chapters of my book is called Start Wars. It's based on a sermon series that I preached right here. When they scared me to death with a robotic R2-D2. Some of y'all remember that? I thought it was just a, something that just sat there. I had no idea that this front row here that loves to torment me. See, some of y'all think that I just have y'all up here because I like y'all playing behind me. I, actually, this was my way of getting y'all off the front row. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Y'all don't know the things they put me through dog. Nah. So literally I know they had a remote control in their hand. And as I'm preaching at the most dramatic moment of my message, they... Told R2D2 to sick me like a dog. And it took off and hit my leg. And I'm telling you, y'all know I'm not a secret cusser because I didn't cuss at that time. I was totally shocked. At the end of that message, another member of our church brought me a life size stormtrooper that was blow up and it was about this tall and it sat beside me while I was preaching. And then another person brought me a lightsaber that I was having fun with. And believe it or not, I got off on a rabbit trail while I was preaching. And I got got a little excited. Believe it or not, I sort of lost my mind. And I was trying to illustrate spiritual warfare. And I started just beating the fire out of that stormtrooper. Next thing I know, I killed him. His arm came off. His leg came off. His head came off. And he was full of helium. Y'all remember it? He just ascended like Jesus. And right there before our very eyes, there was a headless stormtrooper and an arm laying over there, and his head was laid there. For weeks while I preached, his arm would just sort of dangle down. <laughs> As helium was, it was weird, man. It would just sort of float and then go back up. Eventually, what must what goes up must come down. Having a flashback, that's why I said all that. That's called a rabbit trail. But in that message, to start wars, I preached on us being in a race. That Paul, you know, said at the end of his life, I've run the race. I've kept the faith. He understood that he's not trying to necessarily beat someone out. He's just Trying to teach us that this thing called life is something that we've got to keep moving in. It's not that we're trying to outrun our past. It's just that we've got to keep moving. How many knows when you get older you really know this. If you ever get to a place where you just stop moving. If you ever get to a place where you just decide, I'm just going to sit in the rocking chair every day and, and, and watch the dogs play and that's it. How many of your body begins to line up with that decision and your body just begins to no longer want to do what it used to do. But the older you get, the more determined you've got to be to keep moving. Am I right, Mac Daddy? He's the perfect example of it. Y'all don't want to try to go out on a weekend with Mac Daddy. He's in his 80s and he'll leave you gasping for breath. Somebody said we got to keep moving. The start is so critical in a race. The start is so critical in a construction. The starting point is so critical in so many ways. The infancy of a child shapes their identity. The start of a life can be a life full of confidence or can be a life full of insecurity, a life full of a lack of self esteem. Because at the start of that life, that child did not have someone speaking into their life, telling them that there's something great, telling them that they can do anything they put their mind to. You may have been dropped. I was dropped. I was broken. I was called stupid most of my childhood. I was called an idiot. In other words, that I can't repeat. I was beaten. I was shoved up against walls. I was told that I was nothing. That I would never be anything. And I'm going to tell you something. You told that long enough, you will believe it. Am I right? You will believe it. You'll take it into your teenage years. You'll take it into your young adult life. You'll take it into your marriage. You'll take it into the way you train your children. Because you can be 40, 50, and 60 years old, you can still be living out the start. Many people finish bitter, angry, and alone. Because they never got over the start. You may not understand this because you may be too young to get this and maybe you had a great upbringing. But I'm going to tell you something. I've seen people on their deathbed 70, 80 and beyond. Just enough coherence in them to know and understand what I'm saying. And I'm trying to look at them as a pastor holding their hand saying the Lord loves you. They've never given their life to Christ. You ain't got but just a few moments left. Do you want to pray this prayer with me right now? To know, your, so that you can know, your family can know, that your life is in the hands of God and you're going to be with the Lord. I've had them squeeze my hand, shake their head, no. I've had them tell me no. When they're breathing their last breath, I'd say, come on, man. God loves you. He died on the cross for you. He, no matter what you've done, and I've had him squeeze my hand and he look, at, look at me and say, "Not, he can't forgive what I've done. He might have forgiven them, but I'm too bad of a person, and it's not right." I've had him tell me this. It's not right for me to get right now, knowing the life that I've lived. Let me tell you, when somebody says that, something is ingrained inside of them. That they've held on for years. That they've been told there is no hope for you. But that's a lie. Can I just tell it to you right now? Somebody needs to hear it. Somebody online right now needs to hear it. That's a lie. If there's breath in your body, you need to hear me. God does not hold anything against you. If you'll give it to him, he'll take it. If you'll ask him to forgive you today, he'll forgive you. Your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. I don't care what he said to you. I don't care what she said to you. I don't care how many times you've been dropped. He'll be a father to the fatherless, a mother to the motherless, a friend to the friendless. In fact, he'll be a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. See, the finish is important. But the finish is so tied to the start. See, many times that we run a race is directly tied to the way we started the race. You know, when you get down... And your three-point stance, that's football, sorry. I went back in high school just then. And you're getting ready to start the race. Everybody's foot is lined up in that frontal line. They're waiting for the gun. Now, here's how critical the start is. Most races are won and lost. Not all, but most races are won and lost at that start line. Because if you can master the ability as a runner to get off the line faster than anybody else and you can consistently just stay at the speed that you stayed at to the begin with, most of the time you'll win that race because you got off the line faster than anybody else. But if you're not careful, you'll have something called a false start and you'll jump the gun and you'll get penalized or kicked out of the race. Let me tell you something. Not only do, is the start important, patience And waiting on God to tell you to move is equally as important. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. The Bible says when you bring your tithe and offering into the storehouse, it says there'll be meat in my house. Prove me now herewith, said the Lord of hosts, that I'll not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing there shall not be room enough to receive. But then it goes on to say, he said, "I'll, I'll, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. And then he says, neither shall your vine cast its fruit before its time. Did you hear what I'm saying? Neither will your vine cast its fruit before its time. Then what I'm trying to tell you is that every apple has a start. Right? Every apple has an end. Right? It could be in your belly. Or it could fall from the tree and rot. But in order for that tree, see, there, there's, there's three important parts in a race, in a, in a building project. There's the start. There's the middle of the construction. Things that go on behind the scenes that, that are behind walls and things like that, that other than the installer putting in there, will never even know they're even there. And then the finish when you move in and how you treat the house when you come in. But in the middle, it's just as important as well because in the middle, for every apple, there's a start and there's a finish. But there's also a time that is called the appointed time. The appointed time for that apple. There is a moment in every apple that it tastes the absolute sweetest that it could ever taste. There is a moment in everything that's ever grown that is supposed to be ate. When you pick it perfectly... It will taste like any other time that it's ever taste that you could ever taste that. In other words, everything leading up to that place is life. Everything leading down after that place is death. Do you understand? Every one of us have a start day, and every one of us have an end date. Are you hearing me? In the middle is that dash we talk about. We don't know when that moment is. But there is a moment, most of us, hopefully not for the young folks, but my age and older, most of us have lived beyond this moment. And that is, there is a moment in our lives. The Bible says every hair on our head is numbered. Am I preaching good this morning? Am I helping anybody? Watch this. Listen to it. You're going to get this. There is a moment in our lives that there is a day, there is a minute, there is a second that every moment of our life was we were living up to that moment. And after that second, every moment that we are still living, we are dying from that moment. Are you hearing me? So don't want to freak you out here because I wonder when my moment was. Don't let that be the thing you just heard. What I'm trying to tell you is that there is a perfect moment when your fruit is at its perfect peak. Everything in life is growing towards it and growing away from it. That's how life works. Seed, time, harvest. Are you hearing me? So when you understand that and you know that there is an appointed time to start and there is an appointed place that he says, I will complete it. You must know that one of the most important things you can ever do in your life is to be patient to hear the voice of God To say go. Now we all have something called our life. We were all conceived in our mother's womb. And we're living that life. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the stages of life. The phases of life. The ministries that God has called you to. The purposes that God has called you to. Throughout your life. The promotions that God has called you to. The phases of your life. Every one of them have a start. And every one of them have a finish. Are you hearing me? You know what I was trying to do? I was trying to scroll this piece of paper. I literally tried tried to do this. Now watch this. How you see yourself at that point will determine how you run that race. If you see yourself as a failure, you already know you're going to quit before you ever finish. But if you see yourself as a man or a woman of God that God says go then you understand that all the things that are going to happen during that race might knock you down, might knock you out, might knock you off course, but you know what you heard back here. Y'all ain't hearing me. This is what we heard in January of 2020. This is what we heard God say He's going to do in our lives. But out in here, 2020 happened. And a lot of y'all... Can I just be real with you? You quit church right in here. You quit church. Service started. I'm back there watching online. Boom. Views go up. People start commenting. Where are they watching from? I'm like, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Put the phone back in my pocket. Two minutes later, I pulled it back out. I was going to send a text to somebody. It was still running the live stream. I looked. 25 people from three minutes earlier gone bye-bye. They watched for two minutes. Huh? How many more did they just scrolled through and now they end up shopping at Amazon? Feel good about themselves because they went to online church for about five minutes. Watched about 10 different messages. You might have come back and watched a little bit of my message but you already probably already checked out and probably ain't even talking to you anymore. But you made a decision right around in here to relook, to reimagine church. That's the word I'm hearing a lot between pastors now. Pastors, we got to reimagine church. If we're going to be relevant in this world, we got to reimagine how we're going to reach the people. I'm all about reaching the culture. The church is the church. We've been meeting together and worshiping together for 2,000 years. Huh? I ain't about to reimagine what God put together. Why? Who gave me the right to reimagine what God created? Forsake not the assembling of yourselves as the manner of some is. Even the more so as you see that day approaching. Oh my God. In fact, he said if you want to reimagine anything, start reimagining a world that sees church the right way. Because the closer we get to the Lord, Hebrews said, the more we're supposed to gather. But if gathering... Wasn't extremely important to you right here at the beginning of January 2020? It will not matter that much when you're tempted to reimagine over here. You'll never make it to the end of 2020 the way God said for you to start off in 2020. Now I know in the middle here is a pandemic, okay? I know that people are sick, people are dying. Of a very real virus. But can I tell you something? This ain't the very first pandemic. It's not the very first virus. It's not the very first epidemic that killed people. And every single time, until this time, when tragedy happens, people ran to the church. But something about 2020 was so different. They ran away from the church. Am I preaching right? Mm Mm-hmm. See, you got to see yourself. And even if you don't see yourself, some of y'all need to go back and remind yourself. That's what I had to start doing. I had to go back and get a lot of my old Bibles and my old sermons. I I can't tell you the times I've gone back to 2001, 2000, mid-90s. I've got every sermon I've ever preached since 19 uh, I've even got my first sermon I ever preached in 1989 handwritten twice a year I pull it out of my, my desk and I read it I read that very first sermon I ever preached in my life in 1989 because I remind myself I'm still the same man that preached that first sermon that same excitement and fire that was on me then is on me now so when life hits me, I remind myself here, okay, I might have to adjust. I might have to be safe. I might have to stay home in quarantine. There's nothing wrong with that. I might, I, I've got underlying conditions, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch online. Pastor understands that and all that. But I'm not going to accept this as the rest of my life. Huh? There's a difference between being safe, being smart, Taking care of yourself and your family and accepting a new normal that says you never get back here. Every year we do this, don't we? We run a race. Are y'all with me, church? It's 1124 if you're taking medicine. Some of y'all need to take that pill. Please, God, take that pill. Now, If you start out a race in chains and in bondage, you might can move, but you can't run. So the start is not just important. The start is essential that you shake the the heavy weights and the bondages off of you. When you finish one phase so that you can get ready to go into another phase. Listen, there is absolutely nothing wrong with you anticipating with excitement every year for a new year. I, I consider it a blessing that even though there's nothing supernatural or spiritual about it, that all of a sudden the heavenlies change and all, it's still just another minute that clicks by. But there's something about the mind that I'm thankful that we have that in our culture that just gives us a chance to reset. There's nothing wrong with that, but don't live like the devil every year, all the way through, just living it up, and you get all the way down here, bless God at midnight, I'm making a change this year. Start out the right way, okay, all right, now watch this. When you run the race in bondage and in chains, you can't really run it. So you need to get free. Now I want to show you something. Y'all know the children of Israel? Y'all heard the story of the children of Israel was in bondage to the Egyptians? Y'all know that story? Say amen. So I don't have to preach the whole story. But, but they were in bondage. And God used Moses to lead them out, right? Y'all know the story? Say amen. They were slaves. They were literally slaves to the Egyptian empire. And God said, it is not my will that my people are slaves. It is not my will that my people are in bondage, so he brought them out. Right? Now listen to what the psalmist says about how they came out. Watch how important it is that to God that you start the right way when you're in bondage. Listen to what the psalmist says when he's retelling the story. I'm not going to read all of it, but you can go to Psalm 105. He retells the whole story. And this is what he says in verse 37. He also brought them out. Talk about the children of Israel with silver and gold. Wait a minute, listen to this. And there was none feeble among his tribes. Egypt was glad when they departed because of the 10 plagues. For the fear of the Lord had fallen on them. He spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light in the night. Listen, go back to that previous verse because y'all got to see this. When he led them out, Go back one more about the silver and gold. He brought them out with silver and gold. And there was nobody limping. Nobody sick. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. Listen, when God comes on the scene... You might be in bondage one day but when it's time to come out He ain't just bringing you out Oh come on He's bringing you out with gold and silver He's healing your sickness You ain't gonna limp and the ones that had you in bondage are gonna have a party that you're gone Huh? Listen Listen Some of y'all want the Lord just bring you out. You pray in prayers like, Lord, I I don't want much. I don't, I'm not really asking for much, God. If you'd just pay my light bill, I'd be grateful. God's up there saying, I've been paying your light bill the whole time. I don't want to just pay your light bill. I want you to be blessed going in and blessed coming out. I want you to be the head, not the tail. Honey, it's time for you to see yourself blessed going in, blessed coming out. It's time for you to see your basket full and overflowing. But if you don't see that right here, it's hard for you to see that out there. God said, I'm going to bring you out, but I'm going to show you at the start the way I see you. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. God said, I see you as blessed. I just need the man to come in and remind you and bring you out. But here you are. You're free. This is my will. So. He come out, some of, y'all, some of y'all know the story. The Bible says right before they came out in that 10th plague that God told the, the ladies that was, uh, that was um, basically slaves and working inside the, the rich people's house to go in there and borrow. The, word, the King James says borrow all the gold and the silver and the, and the clothing and all this. But you go back and, and, and study it, you'll find that they were not borrowing nothing. The stuff that was in there was stolen from them. The Egyptians took it from them and made it their own. They wouldn't. They, they had to could uh, look like they were borrowing, but what God was really doing was getting their stuff back. If the thief is found, he must restore sevenfold. When they came out with the gold and silver, it wasn't stolen, baby. It was their own stuff that they brought to Egypt when, when Jacob came with his own son. Are y'all hearing me? The gold and the blessings and the favor was theirs to begin with. It wasn't the Egyptians. So God said, when I bring you out... I'm not just bringing you out with gold and silver. I'm bringing you out with your stuff. Quit quit just accepting that what you've lost, you've lost. God knows exactly what you lost. And God knows exactly who's got it. And God knows exactly how to get it back. Ain't it time for you to stand up and reclaim your grandbabies? Ain't it time for you to stand up and reclaim your sons and your daughters? Ain't it time for you to reclaim your house that you lost? Cars that you lost? If the thief is found, he's got to give it back. So now watch this. God said, here's how I see you. I see you free. I see you blessed financially. I see you healed in your body with no sickness. Now, you're going to have to walk through a desert. This, this was, I'm, I'm saying that God didn't say this in a word, but this is fact. If he, he could have said this. I see you delivered. I see you free. I see no man having a hold on you anymore. I see you blessed financially. I see you completely healed. Now listen to me. You're about to start something. It's about a week to a week and a half journey. And you'll be in the promised land. Two weeks max on foot. It would have taken them to get from Goshen, the outskirts of Egypt, to Jericho. Two weeks. Now, you ain't got no excuse. You got money. You're, all of you feel good. You got more energy than you've ever had. Everything you need, I want you to know this the way I see you. Now, I got a place for you. At the finish. Two weeks away. Let's go. So Moses says, come on, let's go. Moses is all excited. Woo-hoo! Two weeks, baby! Two weeks! I'm going to live out my life in luxury. Forty years later, they're still circling. Because here's what the old-time preachers used to say, and I like it because it sums it up. You can bring some people out of Egypt, but you don't mean you, get, you can bring Egypt out of the people. Are you hearing me? See, God was trying to show them the way He sees them at the start, but they did not see them that way themselves, that way. And they had people within the camp reminding them that they were not blessed. You found that when you got out in the wilderness because you saw them begin to usurp authority over Moses and tried to upset the plan and draw people away into rebellion. I'm almost through. I'm trying to tell you the importance of seeing yourself the way God sees you at the start. Because it will sustain you. They get they, they come out, and within a matter of days, they're at the Red Sea. Just a matter of days. They've already seen 10 plagues. They got more money than any of them ever thought they could have. Not a single one is sick. No one is sick. No one is hurting. It is the ultimate life for those people. As soon as they get to the Red Sea, and it's insurpassable, they hear the sound of Pharaoh, who just changed his mind, coming with his chariots and horses behind him. They're blocked in by mountains on both sides. In their mind, they are immediately surrounded. What do they do? They begin to gripe and complain and tell Moses, "We take us back because we're going to die. What did you do? Lead us out here just to kill us in the wilderness. In fact, let me show you what Exodus chapter 14 says this in verse 10. It says, and when Pharaoh drew near... The children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us that you bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone, listen to these words, that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than for us to die in the wilderness. I mean, that is... That reveals the greatest bondage that they were in was not in the physical, it was in the mental. Serve? Serve? You call being a slave serving? You have no rights, you have no authority. Everything in your life is mandated by another person, but the devil has made you think you're serving? Am I preaching right? People think that they're serving their family but they're a slave to the things in, their, in the world that the decisions that they have made. God said, I don't want you being a slave to anybody. You want, because there was no graves in Egypt? Later on in the wilderness, they said, when, when, they, when they started getting hungry, they said, well, at least back then Back in the good old days of Egypt, we at least had the slop left over when the animals were finished because they didn't want to eat manna. They got tired of angel food cake. I'm like, my God, I could never get tired of angel food cake, I don't think. Then they wanted meat and then God gave them So many birds they didn't know what to do with. They ate so much they threw up. They were never satisfied because in their mind they never saw themselves as free. I'm almost finished. Do you know 40 years later, they finally made it to the promised land. They they passed it. If you look at the track uh, on an old map of when people would show how they circled and circled and circled for 40 years, they passed by Jericho hundreds of times. They passed by the Jordan River a hundred times. Right on the other side of the Jordan River, there's the walled city. In fact, we don't know this. I tend to believe the walls of Jericho were being built while the people of God were circling. I don't think the walls were there. This is a gospel according to Larry. But they had heard what God told Moses and where they were headed. So because of the rebellion and the mindset of the people, they gave the devil enough time slowly but surely they've come back around I don't remember that wall being that big last year what is that place over there what they don't even realize is that's where they were headed in less than two weeks from there if they'd have went when they're supposed to went there would not no wall there but you can build a big wall in 40 years so big That chariots would race on top of the walls. Why would chariots race on top of the walls? The city was big enough for them to race on the inside. They raced on top of the walls so the children of Israel could see them racing on top of the walls. To remind them, this is what you're trying to get in. It's impossible. Remember when the spies went in? They came back. Moses said, all right, we're finally here. What do you think? Give me a report. Ten of them said, we're like grasshoppers. They're giants. They're going to stomp us like a bug. Forget it. Let's move on. Two people, Joshua and Caleb, said we can take it. In fact, Joshua didn't even say a word. Caleb's the one that spoke up and said, let's do it. We can do this. We can do this. Now watch this. I'm, I'm hurrying. I'm almost finished. So when they finally went in, the trumpet blew, the walls fell, and they all go in. Here's how important right here is to see yourself the way God sees you and allow yourself to go through the journey and through the fight and through 2020 and through all the hell that's coming against you and never allow yourself to forget what God said you were back here. Forty years later, not a single human being except two men, the two that came back as... Spies and said, we can do it, Joshua and Caleb. Not a single human being other than those two that came out at that point. Rich, healed, not a single sickness in the entire camp was able to go in. The only ones that made it in were the ones that were born in the wilderness. A younger generation... That got tired of hearing mama and daddy and grandpa talking about how it used to be. They start come on, are y'all hear me. They rose up in that final generation and said, I I don't know about y'all. I don't know about Egypt. I know you lived there, but I did not live there. This is where I was born, and I keep seeing that place over there, and y'all keep telling me that he told you back there we were supposed to get it, but I'll be honest with you. I'm just going to be real with you, Papa. I'm a little sick and tired of hearing about Egypt. I'm ready to go into Jericho. I'm telling you, that's what it means. In the last days, your old men will dream dreams. They'll talk about Egypt, but your young men will say, listen, I love you, Papa, but I see something greater. I see something greater. I'm going Going into Jericho. Hallelujah. 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 They didn't see themselves as a slave because they weren't born into slavery. All they heard about was stories of land flowing with milk and honey. So what are you going to do with what God told you right there? I know what it looks like. I know what it feels like. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know the level of pain you have. All I know is my own life and I know the people that I pastor and the people that I love, the people in my life. I got a lot of friends going through a lot of hard times right now. A lot of my friends have lost a lot of people that they love to death, to sickness. I understand the gravity of this moment. But does that change what he said right there I'm thankful for a generation that's shaking up us old folks I'm thankful for a generation that says, you know what? I'm tired of the fluff, man. I don't need no, quit trying to impress me. Quit trying to impress me with lights and smoke and all that kind of stuff. If you got that stuff, so be it. But how about just give me the truth? How about just tell me the truth? How about just tell me, is he really who he says he is? How do I know he is who he says he is? How do I know that he still saves people? How do I know that he still heals people? See, I heard a man say one time, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Every time. You have to have a goal. You have to have something that you can see. God may not let you see the full picture. But he will let you see enough. That if you are truly determined, it will be a beacon to keep you focused. Huh? No matter what's going on, that's what's happening right now. Can I just close by saying this? Everything you're seeing, everything that is happening, listen to me, everything, everything from the pandemic to the election to the things that are happening in the streets, to the bombing, to all these kind of things. These are all have one thing that's happening. I'm not talking about racial injustice should not be addressed. Don't twist my words. But I'm telling you the way the media is spinning everything is the way I should say it. Cross the board. Not the intentions of the hearts of the people that are trying to bring change, but the way the media is doing it. It is to distract you from... Where God is trying to take you. I know some of you are going to make, take my words and just cause them to be whatever. But if, let me just put it to you. Can I just be real with y'all? Can I just be, this, is where I'm, this is what's happening with pastors as it goes into 20. Let me just be real with y'all. If you, I can understand if you don't know me. I can understand if you just dropped in on a live stream for a few minutes and heard me say that. You can judge me. But for those people that call me their pastor and for those people that's watched me and know my life, if you don't know me by now and know my heart, you ain't never going to know me. I'm still the same way that I've always been. My heart is, is after the, the, the gospel of, of Jesus Christ and to try to get people saved. And if you judge me and throw me into some kind of a barrel of people that, that don't even love God or, or is trying to have an ulterior motive, then you don't know me. Just judge my life. Weigh my life. Weigh my life. Weigh this church. Weigh 26 years, almost 27 years of loving people and loving God and loving people where they're at. Weigh that against your spirit of offense. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of having to worry about qualifying every word I say. I'm going to be a pastor you remember what I asked you at the beginning of this year not even having a clue what was coming I'm tired what did I say am I your pastor am I your spiritual father because I'm going to tell you some stuff this year that you ain't going to like and then all of a sudden this happened and some of y'all think I had an inside track I didn't that was just the Holy Ghost got off on that tangent you don't even know what I was saying It was going to be awesome. I'll tweet it later when it comes to me. Did you say I had time? Did you say I have all the time in the world that I need, Fifi? Is that what you said? Thank you, Fifi. I don't think that's actually what she said, but I received that. She said, it's fine. Just go with it faster. (laughs) See, when we run, everybody say, I'm going to run. When we run in the spirit, here's what we do we become salt and light in the midst of the race. Everybody's running. Everybody. They're not all running towards the prize. They're running towards temptation. They're running towards addiction. They're running towards things that the devil's got put out. for. Everybody's running in some different direction. There needs to be somebody in the race that is bringing nourishment to the other, right, the other runners. That's bringing light in the midst of darkness. That's what we're supposed to be right now. But we've lost that. Mm. We are the light of the world. We've lost our Flavor. Flavor. So, some of y'all are going to be so excited when I get my new iPad because it, it keeps me focused. I can just scroll down. I've been on a lot of rabbit trails today trying to read this text. <laughs> Hebrews 12.1 says this, and this will be my closing moment. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by, by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I'm trying to look around. I started call you, but you're too big. Don't take that the wrong way. You'll see it. Come here, Anthony. Get off that keyboard. Yeah. I'm sorry. I mean tall. That's what I meant. Tall. 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 Come here, Anthony. Come come behind me. Hold this microphone. Hold it up against my mouth. Now jump on my back. Are you serious? Yeah, come on. pounds, you know that, That's right. That's right. All right. Stop. 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 On your mark. Get set. Go. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. You good? Nope. Stay with me. Stay with me. Now you see, Shane, what I meant. How much do you weigh? On your mark. That's 85 pounds more than you, man. On your mark. Get set. Wait a minute. What's wrong with this picture? Get off of me! Woo! Now, I'm not calling Anthony sin, but that's the way some of y'all trying to run. Are y'all hearing me? That's why Hebrews said, "Get the weight off." So you cannot, it ain't, the goal is not just to run. I was running. And I'm breathing heavy right now because of it. It ain't just to run, it's to run free. And when you are free, and when you understand the way God wants you to run, nothing can attach itself to you. Nothing can stop you. If you've got some junk on you, you need to shake that junk off of you. Lay aside every weight that so easily slows you down and run the race that is set before you. So, so, last point. Thursday night. You choose who you want to run into 21 with. You want want to run with it in your living room with your buddies while they're all getting drunk? Huh? You want to run with them? Or you want to run into 21 with some people Woo! that's free up in this house. You want to run with some people that's got your best in mind. You want to run with some people that's your brothers and sisters in the fight and in the race. I know where I'm going to be. Nine o'clock right here, I'm going to be with my brothers and sisters. New Year's Eve night. I ain't, I ain't letting nobody else latch on top of me. I ain't carrying them into 21. Come on, somebody. I ain't carrying them into 21. I love them, but they're going to stay in 2020. I'm going into 21 free. I'm and it ain't just people. It's stuff. It's things. It's things on your mind. We got six preachers going to preach 15 minutes each right before the end it's a preach a time right before the end of it I'm coming up here I want you between now and Thursday night I don't care if it's five pages long or if it's one word I want you to think about all the stuff that has attached itself to your mind that has attached itself to your body that has attached itself against the people in your family that you are ready to get off of you and to get off of your family I don't care how silly it seems you ain't gotta participate if you won't, don't want to but I'm going to be the first one. I've got some stuff I need to get off of me. i got some stuff I need to speak off of my kids, off of my off of my family, off of everything that my hands are touching and off of this church. So right before midnight, just a few minutes before midnight, in the same place that this plan is, there's going to be a paper shredder. Praise God. And we're going to begin to pray. And the no one is going to fill in this house and nobody needs to know what your junk is and nobody will know after the shredder. But one by one, the last moments of 2020 we're going to drop that junk in the shredder and we're going to watch something happen in the natural but we're going to believe God in the spirit just as that paper disappears and shreds you are laying aside to never pick it up again and I'm telling you when we go into 21 we're going to go in free we're going to know who we are at the start and ain't nothing the devil brings in us in 21 it's going to stop us we are going to be prepared for whatever comes Woo! I'm bringing the Holy Ghost Shredder going to shred it baby shred it shred it somebody said devil I'm about to shred you I'm telling you, you need to, some of y'all right now thinking about addictions you've been trying to quit write it down I know it's just in the natural i know it don't it's just it's just some kind of crazy little gimmick you think that pastors do it to hype people up hey but what about this they brought prayer cloths to paul and they they just took handkerchiefs and put it on his body just a regular old handkerchief and they preached under the anointing then he took the handkerchief off and gave it back to it and they took the handkerchief back and laid it on the sick and god healed them because the anointing was tangible i'm going to lay my hands on that on that shredder we're going to have some leaders lay their hands on that shredder and we're going to say god we know this this is something that's that's just something in the natural but something supernatural and spiritual on the inside of us is going to happen when we bring that down and shred so you bring you bring your diagnosis you bring your your financial situation you bring you write down what the devil's put in your mind. You bring every devil that's tormented against you, tormenting you, won't let you sleep. You bring the names of your sons and your daughters. You not you ain't shredding them. You're just shredding that the devil thought he had them. But when that disappears, you just say in the name of Jesus, ever hold, I declare, ever hold you had on my baby, ever hold you had on my grandbaby, ever hold you had on my husband and my wife, ever hold you had on my mama or daddy. It's broken in the name of Jesus. 21 will be the year. That that they see who they are in God.